Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Warning, the words that you are about to hear, you may not like. Luke chapter 14, you heard it read before, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. He turned to them and said, if people come to me and are not ready to abandon their fathers, mothers, wives, children, brothers, and sisters, as well as their own lives, they cannot be my disciples. So those who do not carry their crosses and follow me cannot be my disciples. In the same way, none of you can be my disciples unless you give up everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave up everything so that you might have everything, my beloved. Boy, it seems like natural disasters are all over the TV, Internet. Just heard on TV this morning, uh, wildfires, again, are blowing in California. There was a typhoon that hit South Korea. You've probably seen uh, the flooding in North Carolina. But the thing that is uh, most bewildering, take a look at those aerial views of the Bahamas. interview some of the people here, we lost everything. Not one thing left. I mean, how would you feel if you lost everything? And I don't even think any of us can get into that frame of mind until it actually happens to you. Everything. This morning we want to uh, listen to Jesus as he tells us what it means to be a follower of his. Now, in the words before us, we have to understand again that Jesus was very slowly making his way to Jerusalem to die. It was his last journey. But as was the case with so many journeys uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover, uh, many crowds traveled together from Galilee. And so Jesus was surrounded by a crowd once again, a very enthusiastic crowd, you might say a motley crowd, because there were some believers, some unbelievers, you might say some people in between. But they were so excited because this itinerant preacher called Jesus did miracles, supernatural feats that nobody else could match. I mean, one time he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, and he multiplied it over and over and over again until... Nobody could eat anymore. And then he had healed so many of their friends and relatives of diseases that the doctors had no medicine for. Why, he had even raised back to life from the dead a young man from the city of Nain. Now, if he could do all those things like that, what a king he might be. 
If he wanted to, he could miraculously store, restore this poor land to its former heyday, a rich world power under the hand of King Solomon. The crowd, unfortunately, that was following Jesus, many of them were looking for a whole lot of quick fixes. They wanted some quick fixes for their health issues, for their poverty, and for their politics. You could almost see it. As they were following Jesus, all of a sudden he made a quick 180-degree turn and faced the crowd. He spoke some very stern words. He wanted to redirect their thinking from the earthly to the heavenly. He wanted to make them understand what they were getting into if they wanted to continue to follow Jesus. He wanted them to count the cost ahead of time. Uh, use the illustration of somebody wanting to build a building. You got to count the cost before you start, otherwise you might not be able to finish it. Or an army general going into battle. If he didn't have enough troops, why even start the battle? Count the cost ahead of time. Jesus wanted his followers to know ahead of time what they were getting into if they insisted on following him. And following Jesus wasn't going to be a matter of quick fixes for their problems. In fact, following Jesus might mean that you might have to give up everything. And so this morning we find out that following Jesus is quite different from anything that we might think. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. In fact, it's going to call for some great sacrifices. Now, there are, and you hear every once in a while, some people who believe that if you begin to follow Jesus and uh, take up this thing called Christianity, then all your problems are going to go away. No more uh, sickness. Uh, get rid of your financial problems. Following Jesus can be just the opposite. If people come to me and are not ready to abandon their fathers, mothers, wives, children, brothers, and sisters, even their own lives, they cannot be my disciples. Those who do not carry their crosses cannot be my disciples. In the same way, if you can be my disciple, you can't be my disciples unless you're willing to give up everything. Kind of interesting to note that uh, <clears throat> if you take a look at the original language, it's a little stronger than the uh, God's Word translation before us today. It says, uh, unless you are willing to hate father, mother, children, you can't follow me. Kind of a strong word. Jesus isn't talking about the feelings or emotions. He's talking about an attitude. Hating something that somebody else does that might draw you off the path to eternal life in heaven. So what Jesus is saying here is if you're going to follow him, you may be called upon to leave three things. Some of your earthly relationships, some of your earthly comforts, or all of them, and your possessions. That's just about everything. We know that there are some religions around the world. Now, I could name them specifically that if you leave those religions and become a Christian, not only are you ostracized from your family, you very well may be killed. 
Every so often, the pastoral conference, we have a Lutheran pastor who used to be a Muslim. He goes around talking about the Muslim religion. He gets death threats about every month. Somebody uh, becomes a Christian and their, their, their family hates them, probably going to have to abandon your family. Cut off those relationships. What we are seeing today throughout our world, being denied your possessions, your earthly comforts, and even having to break relationships, why, that's persecution. That's only a repeat performance of what the New Testament early Christians experienced. Many of them had to leave everything to follow Jesus. Stephen, the very first martyr, gave up all of his comforts, bodily comforts, to the point of death. St. Paul, first of all, he was a persecutor of the church once he became a Christian. Then it said he suffered beatings, sleepless nights, riots, hard work, cold, naked, hunger, shipwreck, a day and night swimming in the ocean, finally imprisoned and executed. New Testament Christians were often threatened with punishment and death to the point of where they had to flee their country and, and leave all their possessions behind. Have you ever suffered persecution for being a Christian? You know, in 2019, persecution can come in all various forms and degrees. Still remember the story that my dad told me. It goes back to 1941. He went to uh, one semester of college before he figured he might as well enter the war because he'd probably be drafted anyway, and he took one college course, and it was about evolution. And he told the professor, well, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in creation. He says, that doesn't make any difference. You have to answer it that way. You don't have to believe in it, but you have to answer it that way. Little form of persecution. Try going to a uh, public secular university. Stand up in class and say that you don't believe in evolution, you only believe in six days creation. And you actually believe that there was a universal flood and a man by Noah, name of Noah, who built an ark and two animals of every kind filled that. And you'll probably be the laughing stock of the classroom. Goes on and on all around us. Milwaukee Journal, Saturday. Shorewood may ban holiday decorations on public properties. You know what that means. No more creches. No more crosses even. Easter. Sometimes persecution comes from within the church. Here's a quote from the university, Doctor of Divinity. He says, The time for glorifying the almighty male God who supposedly rules, is now over. Some future generation may well be moved to discard the Christian calendar and rename the year 2000 A.D. as 1 G.E., the first year of the global era. Soon the Lord's Supper will only signify human fellowship, and Christmas will be a holiday for the celebration of family. Perhaps some of you heard what happened at the uh, so-called Evangelical Lutheran Church of America this past summer in their convention. A man stood up because he wanted to reiterate and pass an amendment to a resolution that would say to the convention that the only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
and they voted him down 97% to three. You know what that means? And they, by the way, he uh, had an interview on, on the radio after that. He says, I no longer believe that that church is either evangelical or Lutheran because they believe there's any way to eternal life in heaven. Persecution. He wasn't anybody's very many friends as, as he left that convention. Persecution. Another form of persecution, perhaps you heard me say this before. My father-in-law, now sainted during his lifetime in the 60s, he was controller for a major corporation here in Milwaukee, no longer in existence. He earned six figures. One time, some of the um, top management asked him to cook the books or juggle the figures. He wouldn't do it. These are against his Christian principles. You better do it. Finally, they fired him. Remember the words I said?